0: Hi, my name's Cassie Morgan. I'm one of the co-chairs for Baylor's Relay for Life. And we're here to give you a little information about um, what the American Cancer Society does through Relay for Life.
1: We raise money by teams um, from our school, faculty, and staff coming together. And you raise money through, um, over the months that are lead up to Relay. And then the night of Relay is just one big celebration. Um, and we raise money for cancer research, advocacy, and awareness. And Kendra is going to tell us a little bit about the Baylor Relay. Last year um, was our first event at Baylor University, and we raised over $100,000 as a Baylor family. And this year's event is going to be on March 27th, and we'd really like to see all of you guys come out. Um, Check out our website at www.baylor.edu slash Relay for Life. You can find out all the information about how you can sign up a team, how you can help us raise money, and how you can help us fight cancer. We'd really love to see all of you guys get involved. Um, You can email us at bu underscore relay at baylor.edu. If you'd like more information, we'd love to hook you up with that.
0: And we're going to be outside um, the doors after chapel passing out flyers and to talk to anybody if you want any more information. So, thanks.
2: I hope you'll do that. Relay for Life is an important, important thing we do each year. My mother is actually a cancer survivor and very involved in Relay for Life. Hey, I want to ask Nick and Becca and Patty to come out. I want to introduce you to these three. They're involved with a program here in Waco called Best Buddies. Really important that you know what they're doing. I think that um, at least some of you in this crowd today need to be involved in what they're involved with. So let's hear just a little bit about that. Nick. Hey, how are y'all? Um, we're with the Best Buddies organization here in Baylor and uh, our whole goal is to help people with mental disabilities and just uh, help them have friendships and that everyone has a friend in this world. And um, to really understand what that really means, we brought one of our good friends, Patty, with us to just tell us what it really means to her and what Best Buddies has done for her.
3: What it means to me is to get it out the house and paddle around with my best buddy and uh, just talk with her and have a friend with her. And how Baylor helps is by um, hosting an event on March 21st called Midnight Madness. And it's an off-the-wall scavenger hunt where you get teams together. um, And a few examples would include uh, getting a piggyback ride from a Baylor cop, duct taping someone against the wall, fitting someone into a washing machine or dryer. Um, Once again, it's March 21st. uh, To sign up with a team of six to eight people, just go to www.themidnightmadness.com. Thanks.
2: That's awesome. I was once duct taped to a wall. <laughs> it's just a difficult memory for me. I just don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Hey, Heavenly Voices is coming out because they have an event coming up. And I know that you want them to sing. I know, but they're not going to. But they are g- I know. But they are going to sing next week here in chapel. Praise Jesus. Um, But also, I want you to know about Gospel Fest. It's a huge deal. So share with us a little bit about that.
3: Um, Hi, my name is Amanda. I'm the financial manager for Heavenly Voices. And these are my fellow h members. Well, that's not it. There's like 50 more. But um, so next, or this coming Saturday, is our Gospel Fest on Valentine's Day. So if you don't have a date, you know, you can come. Or if you do have a date, you can bring them. Um, Tickets are only $10. And
1: Jesus can be a date.
3: Oh yes, Jesus is the date. Okay, so um, Gospel Fest is <laughs> Gospel Fest is well for us the choirs that are invited. It's a day long event. We invite choirs from UT, A and M, uh, Navarro College, and UNT. I said yeah, and TSU. And we come and we have devotion and we sing together and we invite a clinician who's usually a famous gospel artist. And this year it's Micah Stampley and he teaches all the choirs a song. And then in the evening, all the choirs put on a concert for Baylor and the Waco community. And um, y'all can come here and sing. And it's really cool, so you should come.
4: And in case y'all don't know who Micah Stampley is, y'all can just YouTube his name and just look at a few of his songs online so you can familiarize yourself with his music okay
2: and if you don't know who heavenly voices are here they are and they're great and gospel fest is going to be awesome so i hope that you'll get a ticket to that and go be a part of that hey thank you guys Fantastic. Jessica Kim is going to come out in just a few moments and introduce our guest. I'm really excited about chapel today. I'm glad that you're here. I think that it's an important day to be here, and I think that you're going to get a lot out of today's, uh, today's guest. Um, I don't want to, to give up the, the gander here, so I want Jessica to come out in just a few minutes, but first, we're going to watch a little video to kind of familiarize ourselves with our guest today, so let's watch that together.
4: Fireworks, parades, concerts, hot dogs. That's my favorite part. Love it. All part of the 4th of July, but Independence Day is also about our American heritage. And so we've got some uh, surprising things that maybe you didn't know about the 4th of July. Here now to give us the fun facts is author of the book, Stories of Faith and Courage from the Revolutionary War, Jane Hampton Cook. Battlefields and blessings. I've been enjoying this, Jane, because what I love about this book 365 chapters they're all fairly short and I can you know read it on the train a chapter or two a day it's great Uh, let me let me run through some of this Uh, question number one why did John Adams choose a relatively new guy to author the Declaration of Independence I mean Jefferson was the new guy in town
0: That's right. Thomas Jefferson had never before been to the Continental Congress, and they knew each other very well. So it's surprising that they took, they chose Thomas Jefferson, but John Adams chose Jefferson because he was a gifted writer. He had a firm grasp of the issues, and so Adams knew that Jefferson was going to do a marvelous job authoring the Declaration of Independence.
4: Indeed he did. Legendary. All right. Uh, Let me get to another question. Ben Franklin, known for his intelligence and his wit, also a ladies' man. Uh, He was yucking it up with Thomas Jefferson during the debate. Why?
0: Well, Thomas Jefferson reflected that Ben Franklin told him some funny stories and jokes during the most heated parts of the debate over the Declaration of Independence. I think Franklin saw that Jefferson needed a little calming, and he knew how to use humor to its best.
4: Yeah, he surely did. Was King George III a terrorist?
0: Yes, he was. There are 25 bullet points of tyranny in the Declaration of Independence, and among them are things like kidnapping Americans on the high seas, hiring foreigners, mercenaries to come over and fight against his own people. So, yes, in many ways, he was a terrorist.
4: Talk to us about the very first fireworks that occurred in New York.
0: They were so excited in Manhattan when George Washington had the Declaration read out loud to his troops that they ran over to the statue of King George III, pulled it down, broke it into pieces, and melted it into 42,000 musket balls. So a little sparks and enthusiasm mm-hmm. that day. You
4: know, a lot of people don't appreciate it, but the Declaration of Independence was not truly unanimous, truly unanimous?
0: Not technically, they gave each state a vote, which allowed um, delegates that didn't support it to vote their choice. So Delaware had two voting for it and one against. So that's how they got the unanimous declaration was just by giving Mm. each state one vote.
4: What new word did the Declaration of Independence give us?
0: The word states. They um, traded colonies for states. In fact, one founding father found himself scratching out the word colonies and using the word states instead.
4: Hmm. I mean, I never knew that. I yeah. assumed that had predated the declaration uh, by a great many years, but I guess it didn't. Uh, how did poor manners keep the war going?
0: Well, the British responded to the declaration by sending George Washington a deal. But he noticed there was something fishy about this letter. They had addressed him as an ordinary citizen, not as a general of a legitimate army of an independent power. So their poor manners was a signal to Washington that they really weren't ready to give us independence.
4: Ah, you know, this is great stuff. I love it's this. I love history. And, uh, you know, you can get all of it in this terrific book. This is your book. Battlefields and Blessings, Story of Faith and uh, Courage from the Revolutionary War. Right here. See it? Right there?
1: That would make a great present this weekend if Looks you know somebody just like for the birthday. Right great summer reading. It
4: is, including <laughs> why Ben Franklin would have been a great blogger had they only had the Internet back then.
0: huh
4: Jane Cook, thanks so much.
0: You know what, though?
1: Hello. Good morning, Chapel. I am Jessica Kim. I am the junior class secretary treasurer, and I am here to introduce my friend, Jane Hampton Cook. She is a best-selling author, historian, and columnist. Jane is also known for making history both memorable and relevant to today's news, political events, and issues of faith. She is a Baylor graduate and the author of three books. Her latest book is called Stories of Faith and Courage from the Revolutionary War. It is a 365-day devotional digest of America's quest for independence. She is also the author of Faith of America's First Ladies. We'll have books available for a purchase afterwards and she'll sign them for you in the lobby. Jane has been a guest on numerous national radio and TV programs, including the Fox News Channel, CBN's News Watch, C-SPAN, and KLOVE Network. Moody Broadcasting and more than 80 other radio programs. Jane is a former webmaster for President George W. Bush and served two years in the White House and three years in the Texas governor's office. Her nickname from the former president was Web Gal. Jane is married to Baylor Bear, Dr. John Kim Cook, and they have two boys ages four and two. And I'd like to introduce her. you. <laughs>
0: Well, thanks for coming today. It's really so much fun to be back at Baylor, where I had some just really great experiences and um, as, a, as a student here a few years ago. And um, it's just great to be with you. Now, I have a passion for bringing history to life and to try to take someone's story and bring it to life in a way that's real and relevant and something that you guys can understand today, something that, that um, taps those qualities that just transcend generations, that just that really, really capture um, the human spirit. And what I want to talk about today is something that you heard a little snippet of. Now, I realize it's not July 4th, but President's Day is coming up next week, so we've got a little bit of a patriotic holiday coming up. And Greg Jarrett threw out the idea that Benjamin Franklin would have been a great blogger. Now, how many of you have text messaged already today? a text message. How many of you have been on Facebook, MySpace, something like that already today? All right. Well, I think one fun thing to do to look at our founders is to think about if they were alive today, what would they be doing? And I think Ben Franklin would would be blogging. And this is why. If Ben Franklin were, if he was a freshman at Baylor, he would be over in the business school. Now, you might think he would have gone for engineering, but no business, because it, His when he was about 20 years old, his dream was to run his own business. He wanted to go to Philadelphia and be the best printer that Philadelphia had ever seen. He wanted to publish. And back then, it took a whole year for him to compile his funny sayings, his weather predictions, Um, poetry, all sorts of things to create his almanac. It was called Poor Richard's Almanac. Imagine it taking a year to publish what you want to share with your friends. And I think um, that's why I think if Ben Franklin were alive today, he would love the blogosphere because he would love to instantly publish his opinions. Writing for him was not just about transmitting data. It was about expressing an opinion. And that's why I think he would love blogging. Now, back then, um, I thought of what maybe, what would he have blogged about? Well, in 1728, he was 22 years old, I think, about that age, and he wrote his own epitaph. Now, that may seem kind of funny today, to think about what your tombstone's going to be when you're 22 years old, but that was kind of something that that was kind of common that they did back then. So this is what he thought he would be remembered for when he was 22. The body of Ben Franklin, printer, like the cover of an old book its contents torn out, stripped of its lettering and gilding, lies here food for worms. But the work shall not be lost, for it shall, as he believed, appear once more in a new and more elegant edition, revised and corrected by the author." So his perspective back then was, hey, I just want to live this quiet life. I want to run my business and be remembered as a printer. Now. Fast forward a few years. Ben Franklin has published his Almanac for 20 years. bestseller of his day, by far. And he's kind of ready to do something else. So he goes over to England. He is America's trade representative to the king. He's postmaster general. He has a grand time. He sees King George III coronated. He's there for several years. But then, he begins to hear some things about what's going on back in the colonies. He learns terrible things, like the the, uh, Crown has revoked their ability to have a trial by jury, and now they're only allowed to have trials by a court, a Crown-appointed judge. His buddy Samuel Adams is told he cannot mail a letter to people in other colonies on this idea of taxation without representation. And he begins to hear things. And then at one point, he learns that the governor of Massachusetts, who's supposed to be representing the colonies, is really wanting to secure more dependence and not give them independence. And when Ben Franklin breaks this news of the real feelings of the governor of Massachusetts, his buddies in England decided to take him to the tavern. It was called the Cockpit Tavern in London. But they weren't there to um, show him a good time. Instead, they took him to a room, and they, they hurled insults at him. They called him a spy. They called him a traitor. And for an hour, he stood there, and didn't say a word, and absorbed all of their insults. They were so angry with him. Now, he did what a prudent person would do. He decided, I need a new group of friends. And he left England, and he immediately came back and joined the Continental Congress. That moment at that tavern turned Ben Franklin into a revolutionary, because up until then, he he loved England, he loved the crown, but he decided that it was time to pursue something else. It was time to live loudly for liberty. Ben Franklin came back, he joined the Continental Congress, and he was one of the ones who most loudly advocated for our Declaration of Independence. He also gave us a very memorable line from that day. On July 4th, 1776, this is what he said. He would have blogged it, I'm sure, if he could have. He said, we must indeed all hang together, or most assuredly, we shall all hang separately. And the members of the Continental Congress knew they were putting their lives on the line by signing that document. And they knew they had to stick together in order for this idea of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness to take root, in order to trade royalty for representation. So that's a little bit about Ben Franklin. Now, what about Abigail Adams? What did she want? She wanted to have a family. And she was really supportive of her husband's dream. And John Adams wanted to be the best attorney Boston had ever seen. And he was well on his way to doing so. And I began to think about, what would, would Abigail have been a blogger? What would she have done? And I think Abigail Adams would have loved Facebook. And this is what her Facebook page might have looked like. Here's her picture. And um, she would have probably written one day to her husband, who was off in Philadelphia. He gave up his law practice, which was half of their income. And she took over the management of their farms. She wrote him a letter one day, and she said, I hope to be as good a farmeress as you are a statesman. I think if Abigail Adams had a Facebook page, she would be a fan of George Washington. Um, She'd also be friends with Martha. And, you know, they might be talking about the circumstances, and Martha was, had at one time said that she shuddered every time she heard the sound of a gun. That she just, it was really startling to her. It took her a while to get used to it. But yet, Martha spent half the war with her husband in camp, uh, because she wanted to support the cause. So, and I think the reason why Abigail would have gravitated toward Facebook is that it was very clear through her letters that she was really lonely. She would go three weeks sometimes without hearing from John Adams, her husband. Can you imagine in the instant world that we live in having to wait that long to to hear from somebody that you love and care about? She had to wait. And at one point, there was a snow storm that enveloped New England, and the mail wasn't going anywhere. And all she could do was write letters to John. She wasn't getting any from him. She at one point wrote, I wish I had a bird of passage which meant a carrier pigeon that could just carry these letters to you. She was so lonely. That was part of the sacrifice that they made for us. They gave up their dreams to secure uh, liberty for us so that we could pursue our dreams. Now, thinking about George Washington, and I thought a lot about this. I thought, you know, what would George Washington have done? Would he have been into Facebook? I don't think so. Maybe, maybe not. Would he have blogged? No. George Washington was not a blogger type. And the reason is, George Washington did not present his opinions publicly. He wasn't into writing newspaper editorials. He didn't want to put his opinions out there. I think George Washington would be a text messenger because writing for him was about transmitting data, sending orders, uh, sending reassurances through, through letters. It wasn't about expressing his opinion. Now, if um, George Washington, when, his, when he was your age, He, at that point in time, all he wanted was to be a good soldier for England. This is 1755, and this was when um, uh, England was at war with the French and Indians. And in 1755, Colonel George Washington went up to the Ohio River Valley. They had this terrible battle, and it went horribly wrong. They lost. Washington was one of the last ones to leave the battlefield. And he gets to Fort Cumberland, Maryland, which is along the Potomac River, and he gets there and he hears this terrible rumor that he has died. And even what his final words were. So people who left the battlefield before him thought he was a goner. So he gets there, now what would you do if you found out that you were dead? You, you might write a letter or somehow communicate to a family member that you were okay. Well, that's exactly what George Washington did. And this is what he said. He said, I take this early opportunity. This is a letter to his mother and his brother Jack. I take this early opportunity of contradicting both, referring to his death and final words, and of assuring you that I now appear, exist, and appear in the land of the living by the miraculous care of Providence, which protected me beyond all human expectation. Providence back then meant God's presence, and he went on to explain why he took off his coat after that battle and discovered there were four bullet holes in that coat yet he was not injured. Two horses had been shot out from under him, yet he remained unhurt. This was truly a miracle, and I think he had to think, why was my life preserved when he was, you know, 22 years old? What is my purpose in life? I wanted to be a soldier for the king of England, and now what am I going to do? And he went on to be a farmer, and he went, you know, progressed through life, but I think that moment made him really think, hey, something's not right here with England, and because the, the British Redcoats that had joined him had panicked, and they had abandoned the Virginians. Now, I think if he um, were text messaging, he wouldn't have written all of the length that you saw. I think he would have simply said, I'm okay. And uh, that's what I said when, um, when I was evacuated from the White House on 9-11-01 and I couldn't get a hold of my husband on the cell phone, and I was in a taxi trying to get home somehow. And when I got home, I had an email from my dad, and it simply said, are you okay? Subject line, that was it. And that's what I emailed back, that I was okay. So that's what we do. This instant communication has a lot of uses. It can be fun, but it can also be something that um, can can help us in a time of need. Well, George Washington went on 25, 30 years later. He became commander-in-chief of the Continental Army. One of his most famous days in, in our eight-year war against England that secured our independence took place on December 25th, 1776. So I was wondering, you know, if he were text messaging, how would he put it? And this is how I think he would have put it. He would have sent this to his officers. Cross Delaware River ASAP. Watch for ice. And that was the most famous day when the ice-covered Delaware River. George Washington knew that on the 31st of December his men's contracts were going going to expire and he was going to lose his army not because of the battlefield but because they could all walk. Their contracts were over. So he crossed the Delaware River so that they could um, make a surprise attack on the British at Trenton. They won and it was enough of a victory to convince his men to stay in a little while longer. And that's how George Washington won the American, the war, uh, uh, American Revolution was through This, I'm going to preserve my army at all costs. Because I know you talk a lot here at Baylor about service, that life isn't all about you, it's about giving to other people. That was George Washington's mindset. It wasn't all about him and his glory and he could, it was all about his team. And he was focused on keeping his team together. Now, when he uh, retires from Commander-in-Chief, the war is over, he gives a speech and he says goodbye to his army. And he says to them, it was the interpositions of providence that made us successful. It was God's presence was with us in this cause, the justness of our cause for liberty. And he said, the preservation of the U.S. armies is nothing short of a standing miracle. Those were almost the same words he used when he was 22 years old and wrote that letter to his mother and brother. his perspective as a leader that God was with them and that he had a purpose in life um, makes him more real to us and I think it's fun to take an out of time look at our founders and I think one reason why it's good to do that is it makes them seem real that they were human beings they had dreams just like you all they wanted in life was to uh, work to whether it was you know running a business, maybe managing a farm, they wanted to have their families, they wanted to be attorneys, they wanted to pursue the profession in their intellect. And then they simply wanted to, after having a quiet life, they wanted to die quietly. But they didn't do that. They lived loudly for liberty, for you and for me. George Washington called us the unborn millions to come. He told his men, you're not just fighting for your families, you're fighting for the unborn millions to come. And they did all of that, and they made all of that sacrifice so that you could pursue life, liberty, and happiness. That concept is biblical. It comes from Genesis when um, God tells Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. That's where that idea came from. That's where our founders got that concept was the blessing in of, of, the favor of, of going forward and prospering. And what I want to encourage you today is that, you know, I never dreamed when I was attending chapel that I would have the opportunity to write a book on the American Revolution or on First Ladies. I never dreamed that I would be a webmaster for a president of the United States. That, I mean, Websites weren't even in existence when I was at Baylor. When I got out of college, about a year later is when it burst. Can you imagine that? And I know I'm not that old, but it... it it's amazing. So, you don't know what's ahead that will change the world as we know it. Um, my husband, when he was at Baylor, the concept of Homeland Security did not exist. But yet, Baylor gave him the skills and the flexibility to adapt to a changing world. And he s- spent the last two years of his career at the Department of Homeland Security. And so, I just want to encourage you you have so much ahead of you. And I am so excited about the opportunities that Baylor can give you to train your mind and to give you the um, social relationships that you can learn from and develop and to be involved in student activities. And you know, if something doesn't work out, try something else. Keep trying and it will, it will click for you. Uh, my roommate in college my freshman year, she, she came here wanting to be a doctor and then she discovered she was much better suited for english and she switched her major that's okay it's perfectly okay to switch and find what really fits you and your talents and abilities and i want to close with a quote from ben franklin and this is a little kind of funny and it's kind of serious too if you would not be forgotten as soon as you are dead and rotten either write things worth reading or do the things worth the writing. I hope to keep writing the things worth the reading, and I hope you will do the things worth the writing. Thank you very much.